Welcome to the Goracom podcast, where investors discover great small cap companies. Thank you for taking Agoracom with you and make sure to follow our podcast. Welcome to Beyond the Press Release, our production of Agoracom, in which we take the time to speak with small cap executives about big important news. And guys, if you love small cap mining, mega cap partners, spin outs, gold, nickel, it's unbelievable because Manitou Gold has got it all. For those of you who knew the story and maybe saw this great, the great nickel headline that we talked about, Manitou controls 100% of the Goudreau Project in Northern Ontario, uh, where they are, where they were, and are in search of gold, Canada's next gold discovery, maybe even a mine. But on top of that, they now have nickel, which has been added to the discovery list, and so good that they're going to spin it out, the discovery into a brand new pubco. Uh, essentially created two juggernaut companies on the same land package capable of making separate metal discoveries. And they're not doing it alone. They're supported by two majors. Alamos, a $4 billion producer, owns 19.99% of the company. O3 Mining, 9.99% of the company. Uh, and they're both sitting on the board and helping the balance sheet because they've actually invested their hard-earned money in the company. So why all the craze for for for, for, for Vanatu? 10 million ounces of gold resource reserves are being developed and mined on their western flank, including Alamos's 1.3 million ounce uh, uh, high-grade island mine and Argonaut Gold's 2.1 million ounce planned open pit gold, uh, gold mine and mill. So they're sitting in elephant country. And if that was enough and the story ended there, you'd say, hey, great, it's a fantastic company. But on top of that, like I said, this nickel discovery within the same land package is being spun out into Western Nickel Corp. That's where nickel, cobalt, and PGEs, and they and they think it's comparable to Canada's Canada Nickel's Crawford deposit and Dumont Nickel's deposit as well. Here to talk about it is Richard. Welcome back, my friend. Thank you very much, George. It's my pleasure. Hey, the latest headline: Manitou Gold intersects 200. I'm going to round this up: 231 meters of 0.25 percent nickel equivalent at Goudreau, uh, further confirming significant. Cobalt, nickel, cobalt discovery. That's where I had the headline. I had to read that. How big and how important are these results in layman's terms? Just, just big picture. Uh, well, these sort of multi-hundred meter uh, intersections—they don't happen every day. Uh, you drew the analogy uh, with uh, Canada Nickel's Crawford deposit. They certainly have, uh, you know, multi-hundred meter intersections. Um, the neat thing about that is when we uh, went out, th those recent results you just quoted, they're fantastic, but that's the third of three holes. Yep. All three holes that we set out to drill recently, uh, <clears throat> we were planning on two different of these nickel bearing intrusions. Um, you know, one of them in which we drilled two holes is quite large. Uh, <clears throat> it had never been drilled for nickel or any other commodity, never drill tested. Um, and to come out with the sort of widths that we expected, and actually the same grade that we had in our discovery hole being at 0.25 nickel with cobalt credits on top of that. Um, this is the sort of material that, you know, we've got three holes plus a discovery hole into two different intrusions, 30 intrusions in total uh, identified by us. 10 of them have been visited on the ground, you know, grab samples, all averaging 0.25% nickel. This is the sort of material in this, the way these, these rocks are hosting the nickel, you can actually block out and, and put together big volumes of mineralization, assuming that the numbers hold up coming back from the lab. You can put 
big numbers together very, very quickly. Uh, case in point, the, you mentioned the Dumont deposit, um, as well as uh, the Crawford deposit. These are, uh, you know, two billion plus uh, ton deposits. They're massive, massive, massive deposits. The grades that we're intersecting being, you know, again, 0.25% nickel, cobalt credits. Um, that's totally in line with these other deposits. Um, wow, that's saying a lot. Yeah, and if you compare the scale of these things, you know, billion ton ballpark at 0.25 nickel for uh, your listeners that are more sort of tuned into gold, these things are akin to, you know, like value in the ground, something in the in the neighborhood of 20 to 30 million ounce uh, gold deposits. These are massive, massive uh, value projects. And by the way, I want to confirm because what you said earlier, all three drill holes uh, have intersected mineralized intervals in excess of 200 meters. That's absolutely right. Yeah, we uh, we we designed these holes to drill, you know, from one inside of these intrusions. They tend to be oblong, like oval shaped type things. So we drill across the the the, sh the shortest axis, and we were expecting to get you know north of 200 meters um, in each hole, and we did. And the uncanny thing is not only that, you know, the grades held up very very consistently, as compared to the grab samples we took in 10 of these intrusions and their discovery hole, all running 0.25. So that just further strengthens the case for spinning this out into a new code, Western Nickel Corp. Uh, what's, the, what's the status of that? We might as well talk about that because I think that's what's exciting both current investors and, and new prospective investors. What's the, what's the basic status your update you can get us on the spin out? You know, Manitou Gold has got two fantastic gold assets, a Goudreau project on which we've made this discovery in the first quarter of this year. Um, our Dryden project up in northwestern Ontario, which uh, has been optioned off to Dryden Gold. And, you know, Manitou is going to maintain a gold focus. Uh, when we found this uh, nickel mineralization in the first quarter um, <clears throat> and looked at the potential we have with these 30 intrusions and nickel type uh, intrusions in total on the property, it really made sense to, to uh, spin out the nickel assets uh, typically, you know, sure. in, in uh, you know, holding companies, they treated a discount to the sum of all the assets. We don't want Manitou, A, to lose its focus on gold exploration. And secondly, uh, I think our shareholders are going to be better served by having, you know, full valuation in the marketplace for two separate commodity uh, focused companies being Manitou Gold and new company Western Nickel Corp. Yeah, that, and that, 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 that's fantastic for, for all of us for our Man to shareholders, that that's great news. Let's getting back to the the nickel itself. You, you said earlier you've got thirty targets. What's the plan for exploring those? And you know, do you do you have a priority list of importance yet uh, with the, with this with respect to those thirty targets? So again, we've got drill holes into two of these intrusions already. Um, we've out of the thirty that we are aware of. We've, uh, and we, we still have crews in the field, but we've been to 10 of them. We've taken grab samples. Again, the results of those are the same grades, 0.25. Um, and there's sort of a range between 0.22 and up to 0.28. So obviously um, in terms of, you know, uh, pursuant to getting a spin out uh, finalized and, and, and financed, um, this would be really a drilling story, not so much geophysics or geology, just drilling. and. We would envisage a couple of drills, uh, one in the area 
detailing a little bit towards the resource in the area where we've got the four holes. Uh, there are numerous intrusions within a few kilometers there. Um, and then property wide, you know, we're covering about 35 uh, kilometer trend where these other 28, largely most of the 28 intrusions are located. I would, I would plan on having a second diamond drill uh, testing these separate intrusions, starting with the ones that we know about uh, in terms of grade, some of the ones that were 0.25 and better percent nickel. Um, <clears throat> I think that would be a, a sort of a rover drill, uh, one focused on delineating the ones that we have already started on. So what's two the appetite you mentioned earlier at the very, you started that answer and rightfully so with um, uh, if, if everything goes well with the spin out, because obviously there are things you got to do, but it's pretty normal course. And and then if you guys get funding uh, in in Western Nickel, what's the general appetite for 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 high quality nickel projects? So we know Canada Nickel, we were talking about it, got fifty million dollars in, the, in their last raise. Um, you know what, what's the appetite today for for the kind of the kind of asset uh, that you're going to be bringing to Western Nickel? The, globally, the nickel market's pretty pretty close to balance between uh, uh, surplus and uh, and you know excess supply. Uh, that's changing rapidly. You know, the, the more sort of battery right. uh, uh, electrics that are coming online, not just vehicles, but but all uh, energy source where you want storage, uh, you need a lot of nickel. So that demand's coming up. There is there is a lot of supply in Asia right now coming out of the Philippines. That's a different quality of nickel. Um, typically, the nickel sulfides and and their their uh, end high purity products that you know are are similar to what we would uh, be looking at within uh, our uh, property. These are always going to demand a premium. Uh, so I think that. The future prospects of the nickel market, like fundamentally, they're incredibly strong. Um, we've seen very strong demand over the last 12 months uh, in even exploration stage investments uh, through large funds. And these projects are getting somewhat more advanced towards uh, full definitive feasibility. Um, there are many, many multinational buyers out there uh, from, from South Korea, Europe, North American buyers, are basically lining up to secure nickel product. Yeah, a lot of big promises being made by a lot of governments out there with respect to electric vehicles and and targets for 2030, 2035. And I don't think the, I don't think the 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 masses understand how much nickel is going to be uh, is going to be required and in a hurry, right, Richard? Like Absolutely. They, well, we you, need a lot you, of nickel. We need it now. That's right. And you're seeing, you know, auto manufacturers, Tesla, GM, just yesterday announced they're, you know, they're partnering with, with miners now. Uh, that's unheard of in the past. They're going I mean, direct. You haven't, you haven't seen anything like this. And then when it comes to renewable energy, you know, when, uh, you know, solar farms uh, collect a lot of the sunshine and energy gets stored in batteries. Well, guess what is in these batteries? Tons of nickel. Any lithium-ion battery, don't don't be fooled. It's not just lithium in there. There's a ton of nickel in these batteries. Much more nickel, in fact, than lithium. Do you ever pitch yourself sometime thinking that, hey, you know, you went into Goudreau with this unbelievable, you know, and we're not we haven't talked about the gold side, and we've talked about it before, and we'll have more conversations in the future, but that you went in just thinking about gold, and now you've got 
an incredible nickel, you know, discovery here on the same land package. You ever just pinch yourself sometimes? Well, there's a little bit of serendipity, you know, and and you know the history, George. It took us years to to consolidate the land package we have. Yep. It took us a couple of years of an awful lot of uh, geotechnical work, like really detailed geophysics, geochem studies, a lot of geology went into our gold targeting. And so when we uh, had a little bit of good fortune and, and made that discovery uh, at the beginning of this year, the nickel discovery, we sort of were able to hit the ground running because we'd done so much of the, the geotechnical work. We knew exactly where all these 30 intrusions were because we'd done the work already. So our targeting is basically done. That's the real nice thing about it. And that's what I said. If we can successfully get the, the spin out executed and financed, it instantly becomes a drilling project, um, uh, not a geotechnical project. So, you know, on day one, you know, we sort of, with one drill, as I said, you start start defining what, what may be a resource with one drill and the other drills are rover testing, uh, you know, 20, the remainder of the 30 uh, targets that isn't being drilled off to the, with a resource uh, target in mind. Yeah, um, unbelievable. By the way, what I love about our interviews is that we don't get too too much into geology speak because most people just wouldn't understand anyways and it would be great sleeping material. Uh, so with that in mind, I want to have a little bit of geology speak, which is, um, you know, in layman's terms, can you describe what ultramafic rock is? Because you guys have gone out of your way to say that, you know, we've got these mineralized interval, intervals of ultramafic rocks. So let's get a little geology speak and why everyone should understand why that's important to accelerating this discovery. All right. So uh, I'll get a little bit technical with you. The first thing I'll do is correct your pronunciation, ultramafic. Ultramafic. So these rocks, are, they're pretty unique. They they don't, uh, I mean, they're not rare, but they don't commonly occur at surface. They're sourced from the mantle. Uh, they're very, very rich in, in uh, magnesium, iron, uh, and nickel, as well as cobalt and potentially platinum, palladium, or PGE uh, metals. So uh, the way they uh, get to surface is very large scale structures, big fault systems. They have to be very deep seated to allow these magmas to come right from the mantle all the way up through the crust to be in place at or near surface. And then subsequently in, in the Canadian Shield, we've had you know overlying rocks and stuff scraped off by glaciers. So they come from very, very deep below the crust. Um, they're very enriched in, in metals and important to us, uh, nickel, cobalt, PGEs. And uh, it's not just the fact of getting them to surface. That, that's not a prize uh, or a means to any, any end. Um, you have to liberate the nickel. It's locked up in, in silicate minerals. You know, these glassy, if you look at a coarse grain granite or any other coarse grain rocks, all the minerals look kind of glassy. That's, they're silicate minerals. So those are not really amenable to extracting metal from. What happens with these ultramafic rocks is they get altered in a process called serpentinization. They get a little bit green colored, hence the, you know, the reference to the snake name, serpent. And in that process, that process of breaking these um, uh, initial glassy minerals down into these uh, subsequent serpentine type minerals, the nickel gets liberated out. Nickel and iron get liberated out. So you have minerals, uh, nic nickel minerals, very high purity nickel minerals. In fact, some of these aren't even nickel sulfides. They're, they're nickel iron alloys. 
that we're intersecting. We've done a, a fair bit of scientific work using a microprobe, which is a you know sort of a university-based, like very high precision instrument. At our project, we've actually determined that there is no detectable nickel left in these silicates. It's been a complete process of of breaking these mineral the, the parent minerals down, liberating that nickel, uh, cobalt, platinum, palladium wow. out. So that's a big opportunity for us. A lot of these um, projects similar to ours. Uh, one thing they they've got is, you know, a metallurgical um, uh, mountain to climb. You have to determine how much of that nickel is actually recoverable. Not, and, and that's the point I want to make. That's why I'm glad you answered this question. Not all not all nickel is the same, right? No, just I mean cause I, just because I have the nickel doesn't mean I can actually extract it. It doesn't mean I can get and extract it. Yeah, if you uh, take, well enough if you to take make it economical. One of these unaltered, fresher ultramafics and uh, you try to extract the nickel, it just won't work. You have to put it through that alteration process, that serpentinization. Then the nickel gets liberated out of those uh, particular silicates and it becomes uh, extractable. So that's when you say, what do you do when you hit the ground running? Well, a couple of diamond drills, it's a real drilling story. And then we look at how do we start to uh, uh, look at our recoveries and you know how do we optimize those those recoveries but i think you know the good news is and i mentioned that microprobe analysis there's no nickel left in these silicates it's all in high purity sulfides or nickel alloys and and how big of a difference does that make when when it comes to economic just generally speaking i'm not as specific about here but in terms of making a project economical how big of an advantage is it that your nickel is in that state well, these uh, <clears throat> these types of projects, uh, similar projects, and again, I'll take Crawford as an example. Uh, they're able, and I think we would be in the same boat, able to extract, you know, the vast majority of the nickel out of the whole rock. Um, but not only that, because these these nickel minerals are such high purity ones, and even alloys, then you create a very very high purity concentrate. And that's sort of the the bane of of any base metal mine uh, across the shield in Canada. Uh, if you don't have a high grade uh, uh, concentrate to send to a smelter or refinery, um, you know you have a problem with transportation costs. And the types of nickel minerals that we're seeing, um, and they're seeing at Crawford and and, and a lot at the Dumont project, these do produce very high quality, high purity concentrates a nickel of sufficient value basically these things could be shipped basically anywhere we wouldn't be you know looking at what's the nearest smelter we'd be looking at you know what is the most uh economical and, and efficient smelter for us to be using man that's a massive advantage especially nowadays absolutely i should note too our our goudreau project you know we're in mining country you you mentioned uh the, the mines in the area it's logging country um the Trans-Canada CN rail line, or sorry, the CP rail line traverses through the center of our property. Uh, there's a major east-west power uh, uh, line crossing through the property and it's accessible by road. So uh, we've got all these advantages in terms of infrastructure, um, uh, transportation. And at the same time, I think we're, uh, we're optimistic that you know, we'll see the work done that proves this could be a very high quality nickel product that can 
they could be shipped at a, to Sudbury. Just remember, there's two smelters, one refinery in Sudbury, Thompson, uh, further east in Quebec. There's also smelters. Um, the types of values that, that, that we're seeing in, in comparable deposits are very, very high so that they, they easily offset trans, transportation costs. Yeah, and to have that flexibility uh, is, is, is really key, is, is really awesome. Uh, we're at the last question. We're into Q4. We're well into Q4 now. What should investors expect for the rest of the calendar year? I won't even ask about 2023 because there's so much going on. The rest of the calendar year, how did ball, ballpark, you know, what should everyone be expecting? So as we work our way through uh, the process of realizing the spin out, I think we're going to have a lot of news towards that. <clears throat> Ultimately, you know, one key important piece of news will be a setting of a record date. And that record date is going to be important. Uh, and the process that we've described and, and publicly disclosed is that uh, existing shareholders of Manitou will receive shares of our spin-out Western Nickel Corp um, on a pro-rata basis uh, if you're a shareholder before the record date. And if you end up being a uh, purchasing Manitou uh, shares after the record date, you would not be uh, receiving Western Nickel stock uh, when the spin-out occurs so that that's very important that's a lot of the news flow that's going to be uh coming out is updates with respect to the, the spin out uh, we've got these results in hand now so we're just sort of uh ramping up in terms of uh getting in front of a lot of the, the smart money managers fund managers uh brokers um we're very 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 uh, much convinced that you know manitou gold we've got a market cap of depending on what day and the, the price action is between about 12 and $15 million. Um, we feel strongly that we're undervalued just based on the land position we have with respect to gold. And, oh. you know, this is a proven gold camp. Um, there was a transaction for a, a much smaller piece of property uh, to the West of us a couple of years ago. There's North of a $20 million uh, valuation U S and, we're trading at a massive discount to that. We do have many gold targets ready to go. We, if, if we had a budget for you know 10,000 meters worth of drilling, the holes are, are ready to go already. So just the land value plus the gold targets we have, we're vastly undervalued. And the, we see the nickel uh, spin out as a complete freebie to shareholders. So we're gonna continue to update the market, uh, update our shareholders through press releases as we go through the stages to, to realize the spin out. So that, this is what uh, the audience should be staying tuned for, is continued updates as, as we get closer and closer to realizing the spin-out. Well, Richard, I think I speak on behalf of all shareholders when I say, you know, thanks for what you guys have accomplished uh, to date. And uh, like you said earlier in this interview, that was years of work, you know, that nobody appreciated, that nobody saw putting the land package together, getting all that done. And now... Uh, putting us in position for a spin out on top of that nickel is is fantastic, and we wish you all you know great success and great luck because your success is our success. But congratulations, my friend, you guys done something really great there at Manitou. Yeah, thanks a lot, George. And you know, as a very large shareholder myself, I I look forward to the uh, the market re rating and and catch up. You know, I've I've seen this a couple times in the past in in things that I've worked on for a long time. You just sort of keep your head down, work away, work away. You don't get recognition until suddenly, boom, everybody wants to own it. So the uh, overnight 10-year success story, like they say. 
Exactly. Yes. Yeah. It takes a little bit of leadership. You know, the, the old saying that like, everybody wants to be the first guy in second place, right? But once somebody, you know, gets a little bit bold and makes it that, that big uh, initial step, I think that you know, we've done a reasonable job in getting this story out in front of the gold and now the nickel is in front of a lot of different uh, eyes and, and, and smart investors. I think if we see some, some real leadership in the marketplace, uh, that re-rating could happen anytime. Well, we're, we'll be watched for that. But in the meantime, thanks for joining us, Richard, as always, man. You, you always do a great job of talking to everybody and explaining uh, in layman's terms what's going on. I can't wait to have you back. Well, thanks a lot, George. It's always a pleasure. Day by at home, you've been watching or you've been listening by podcast on Spotify, Google, Apple, your favorite podcast platform. To Richard Murphy, CEO of Manitou Gold, trades in Canada under MTU for Friends in the U.S. under MNTUF. For those new to the story, you've heard this. You want to do more due diligence, two steps. First, get to the company's profile page on Agoracom. We've got it all really neatly laid out for you in summary form. Five minutes, you get that real amazing understanding of Manitou. And then once you're armed with that base knowledge, head over to the Manitou website, do your deep dive due diligence. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. See you next time. Hey guys, this podcast is over. But don't forget to help your company by liking it or even leaving a comment. And then don't forget to help yourself by following us on Spotify, Google, Apple, or on your favorite podcast platform so you will never miss another one great Agora Gomez Small Cap podcast.